I invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2. The kids read it for us already. These are very familiar words, as I said, in Luke 2. I'm just going to read verses 1 through 11 to you this morning, and I'm actually just going to focus on one phrase, just one phrase from verse 10. I'll underline it verbally as I read it to you. Do you have, you, do you have it, Luke 2? Let's read verses 1 through 11, focusing on verse 10. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth to Galilee and Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. I'm going to keep reading. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company, the heavenly host, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying what our choir just sang to us, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom His favor rests. Will you pray with me? Father, thank You for everything we've heard and sung and seen this morning of the great story of Jesus Christ and His birth of the invasion of our planet by the Savior of the world. Thank You, Lord, for Jesus. We pray that He would get the glory and that we would get great joy. We pray it in His name. Amen. I have two favorite Christmas carols. Do you know what they are? This is my 21st uh, Christmas as as your pastor, so I thought you might know my favorite Christmas carols. Maybe I keep them hidden good enough and um, one of them is um, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Would, anybody would have guessed that one as pastor's favorite? Okay, Deb, you knew that one, right? Charlie, you would have guessed that was my favorite? Not really, okay. <laughs> it's because of the poetry about what Christmas is. Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel. That, it doesn't get better than that. That is really beautiful poetry expressing deep theology. That, in fact, is the meaning of Christmas. You know how I often call Easter Resurrection Sunday? Well, I'm trying to lead a movement to call this Incarnation Sunday. You with me? Not so much, huh? Okay. What do you think is my other favorite Christmas carol? Yeah, you read the bulletin, didn't you? You saw where this is all going. It's joy to the world. Joy. Great joy. 
Joy to the world. That's what I want to talk about today. Joy. Great joy. The angel said to the shepherds, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy for all the people. In other words, joy to the world. What is joy? What is that? I mean, we all know kind of what it is, but it's also kind of hard to define. And the world has so many counterfeits. What is joy? At my house, we have Heather Joy, and we've got Robin Joy. Those are two of my greatest joys. But what is joy itself? Joy is satisfaction. Joy is a thirst quenched. Joy is a delight in something that refreshes you. True joy is delightful satisfaction in God and what He has done. The theme of joy is all over your Bible. From cover to cover, you could say the Bible is a story of joy. Joy in creation. Joy lost in the fall. Joy regained piece by piece as the story of redemption unfolds. Is there joy in the Psalms? Oh, you bet there are, right? How many times does it say, rejoice, rejoice, or my cup overflows, and then joy restored as the Savior comes. The angel said, do not be afraid. He had to say that because whenever you encounter an angel, it's a frightening thing. Angels are not little soft things, flutter, flutter, rosy cheeks. Angels are terrifying beings, messengers of God. But the angel said, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. The Greek in verse 10 is literally mega kara, mega joy, mega joy. Sounds kind of like a department store, a big box department. Are you going to mega joy this week? Mega joy, joy to the world. Why? The Lord has come. Because of Christmas, because of the incarnation, because Jesus has come, Christians have every reason to rejoice. That's why Joe led us this morning in good Christian men and women and children. Rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Why? Because Jesus Christ is born today. Number one, great joy right now. The Bible says that joy is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. In fact, it's number two on the list. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and so forth. So joy is a normal part. It's a normal experience of every Christian. The Apostle Peter in his letter says, in this you greatly rejoice. You believe in Jesus and you are currently filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So if you're a Christian, you have inexpressible and glorious joy. Joy has come with Jesus, and it's better than regular old happiness. Now, happiness is not bad, and and it's not a bad word, but joy is a better thing and a better word. Joy is deeper and fuller and richer and more meaningful. Joy, joy. Joy, great joy right now. Because Jesus has been born, we have every reason to rejoice. You know why? Because it was joy that led Jesus to the cross. Did you ever think about that? 
Why did Jesus go to the cross? The Bible says it was because of joy that he did it. Hebrews says, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross, scorning its shame. If he, had to, if he ever had to say, am I going to go to the cross? He only had to think of the joy that was set before him to do it. Jesus' joy in God, Jesus' delightful satisfaction in His Father and what His Father would do for us in saving us eternally was enough to motivate Jesus to die on the cross for our sins, taking our place. Joy. We have every reason to rejoice right now. I think that joy is my favorite word when it comes to Christmas. It doesn't mean I always act like it. I can be a downright Scrooge or a Grinch when it comes to Christmas. But I think joy is my favorite word. The close runners-ups are, are love and hope and gift and peace and glory. I think some years those other words win over the word joy. But joy is right up there at the top. Joy because Jesus came. Great joy right now. What was Brianna's prayer for Anna Lee? It was Romans fifteen thirteen, right? That she would abound, that she would abound in hope because she had the joy May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice in our verse, verse 10, that great joy comes from something. What does it come from? Good news, right? The angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. It's that good news. What's another word for that? The gospel. It's that good news about Jesus that brings us this true and lasting joy. Even in the middle of great trials and suffering. Especially in the middle of great trials and suffering. Earthly happiness comes and goes. It burns off under the sun of suffering. But joy can exist in the hardest times. Warm in the heart of those who have Jesus. In fact, the Bible says that we are to have joy at those times... When we are suffering. James says in chapter 1 of his letter, Consider it pure what? Joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Now he's not saying that you need to love the trials. Woohoo! It's, oh, I just love a trial. Bring it on. No. But we know that the trials that God brings us will be used for God's purposes in our lives, perfecting us. And James says that that's worth rejoicing in. Everything is worth rejoicing in because Jesus came that first Christmas. Now, you might be hurting right now and hurting real bad. A lot of people have great grief at Christmas time. You've lost someone. The Dobos lost Carolyn this month. It's been eight years since Heather's mom, Linda, went home to be with her Lord in December. Robin was just 10. I remember, where's Darla? I remember your mom died right about this same time, a few years back. How many years has it been? Six? And even if your loved one didn't leave at Christmas time, you still feel it at Christmas time, right? Because she or he is not at the table. Their place is empty when you have your feast. This can be a really hard time of year. And when the grief comes, it's right and good to cry. It's right and good to mourn. But Christians mourn differently as well because we grieve in hope. 
a hope that doesn't disappoint. We can both grieve and rejoice at the same time because we know Jesus. We miss Carolyn. But at the same time, we rejoice for her. And we know that because Jesus came, we will see her again. Because of Jesus, we have every reason to rejoice. Good news of great joy, even right now. But this is not all that there is. You remember what we learned last week? Great joy someday soon. This angel in verse 10 was talking about Jesus' first coming, his first advent. But Jesus didn't bring all the blessings of his kingdom right away. The king that came that first Christmas did not bring the whole kingdom. This is not as good as it gets. The kingdom has not yet fully arrived. Remember what we learned last week? You see, there's a second advent. There's a second coming of the king that we are still looking forward to. A second time for Jesus to bring great joy to the world in all of its fullness. I don't know about you, but the more Christmases I experience, the more I think, not about Jesus' first coming, but about Jesus' second coming. You know, that's what Isaac Watts was thinking about when he wrote this hymn, Joy to the World. If you want to turn there in your hymnal, it's number 125. Turn to 125. I want you to look at the words of this, of this great Christmas carol. Because Isaac Watts wasn't just thinking about, we sing it at Christmas time. But it's not just about Christmas. It's actually about the second coming of Christ. I remember singing Joy to the World as a little boy in church. I think that's one of, why it's one of my favorites. Because your favorites are almost always what you grew up singing, right? And I, I love the part, the echo part, you know, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. And I would just be belting it out. I don't know if I got the words right or the timing right, but I just love that. And even though we sing it at Christmas time, it's not really about Luke 2. It's about the return of Jesus and the great joy that will come to the world when that great event happens. Look at verse 1. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Now that verse could be about the first or the second coming, right? Get your heart ready for his coming. I think it's more about the second one. Can you imagine what it'll be like? Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Yes, there's a sense in which he reigns right now. We, we learned that last week, that his kingdom is coming piece by piece, quietly, like the, the yeast worked into the dough, or like the, the seeds that are growing up. All authority has been given to Jesus, but is he reigning like this verse, is, like, like the song is singing yet? No, not yet. Right now, his reign is contested. The weeds are sown in the wheat. Remember last week with the field, the wheat and the weeds are growing up together right now. And where did all these weeds come from? An enemy has done this. But someday soon, Jesus' reign will be universal and uncontested. Look at that second verse. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat. What? What do they repeat? The sounding joy. The sounding joy. All of nature is going to be happy and delighted and full of joy. Can you imagine? Isaac Watts got the idea for Joy to the World from Psalm 98. Old hymn writers like to go to the Psalms and they like to transpose those 
old Israelite songs into a Christian key. And that's what he did with Psalm 98. Listen to what Psalm 98 says. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst in a jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord for He comes to judge the earth. He'll judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. In that psalm, the world is personified as feeling the pains of the curse. Romans 8 says that the creation groans and waits in eager expectation for the return of Christ. But then when Jesus returns, the whole world just just bursts into joy. The whole world has great joy. Not just His people, but the whole world. Verse 3 of Joy to the World. No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He's he's, he's, He's getting at the the curse from Genesis 3, isn't he? Or, the, or the, the weeds from that parable in Matthew 13. He comes, Jesus comes, to make His blessings flow. Where? Far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. That's my favorite line in this whole hymn. How far does the curse extend right now? It's everywhere, isn't it? Name me one place on earth where you can't find the curse. It gets down into into our DNA. There is nowhere that is untouched by the curse. Friends, life is not as it should be. Life is not as it should be. Cancer, for example, is not the way it should be. War is not the way it should be. Accidents are not the way it should be. Death is not the way it should be. But Jesus is going to reverse the curse someday soon. Did you hear that? Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus is going to reverse the curse. He is going to make His blessings known as far as the curse is found. Every tiny place where you'll find the curse, it's going to be gone. It's going to be eradicated. I cannot imagine what that's going to be like. The Bible describes it in Revelation chapter 21. John says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea, which symbolically is the curse. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. No curse on her. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and He will live with them. Emmanuel. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Are you crying this year at Christmas time? Well, someday there will be a Christmas and every tear will be wiped away from your eyes by God Himself. There will be no more death 
or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Far as the curse is bound. Far as the curse is bound. And then he said, write this down. For these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. That, that's what great joy is. That's what great joy is. And it is coming for all of Jesus' people someday soon. Joy to the world, the whole entire world, someday soon. Remember last week, the birds of the air will nest in the branches of the mustard tree. And the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Verse 4, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. The wonders of his love. Brothers and sisters, we have every reason to rejoice. And every reason to spread that joy to others. Joy to the world in missions. Let the nations be glad. Let the nations rejoice. Let's take this message, this good news of great joy to the whole world. Because there is good news of great joy that will be for all the people. We need to live in expectation, in anticipation of that great joy. And share it with others. I don't have more to say than this. Let this Christmas be a Christmas of great joy for those of us who know Jesus. Great joy to the world now and, to, and someday soon.